Hello, and welcome to the PhD Life Raft podcast. I'm Emma Brzezinski, and today I am talking to the gorgeous Isabu Iqbal. We're talking about perfectionism, what it looks like, how to work with it, um, and how important it is to know your own strengths. So I do hope you enjoy this episode. Hello. Thank you so much for um, joining me, woman who just talked to you and asked you to come on. <laughs> I was I was um, fascinated with with y- your work and the way that you talk about you work with ambitious perfectionists, and I was like, okay, I know a place with lots of ambitious perfectionists. <laughs> Yep. Um, and I just like, I'm sure this is going to resonate with so many people. And I was like, could you come and talk to us about this? And graciously, you have said yes. So thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Um, so we're going to get in, we're going to get into perfectionism in a minute. Um, but first of all, I'm just going to ask you to share a little bit about your own story with us. You bet. Um, so this is the story of how I ended up uh, doing a PhD. And I want to preface it by saying that I'm an only child of two parents who were professors. So that I think, you know, is an important fact to, to add yeah. here. Um, so I finished, I finished high school and I just assumed that I would get a PhD. You know, I thought that's what everybody did. <laughs> right. Because that was, that was just my, my origin story with my parents. I went to, I did one year of university and oh my gosh, I had the shock of my life. So I left. Um, and then I, I came back a few years later, I finished my undergraduate degree in science and it was, I was miserable. I, it was about a four to five year uh, process and for me, it, it was, it, there was no joy of learning. I was so anxious the whole time. It was like just one big endurance um, stint around performance, right? All I cared about was getting an A, getting top marks. And um, so obviously there wasn't a lot of joy in, in that. And uh, I wrapped, I wrapped that up and um, my undergraduate degree got me prepared to become a dietitian. So I worked as a dietitian for a number of years, but not many number of years. I think uh, within a few years, I I left that profession because I just it didn't feel like a good fit at all. And sort of fast forward, there was uh, seven years between my undergraduate degree and going back to grad school. And I really attribute that to the fact that my initial experience of post-secondary was just so terrible Mm -hmm. that it took me seven years to build up the courage and desire to go and do graduate studies. Um, the, the, The happy twist here is that 
my graduate studies showed me this whole other way of learning. I did a um, I did a master's in adult education. I was encouraged to pursue what I was interested in. There were no more, you know, exams. It was all papers and a thesis. I got to do research, which I really enjoyed. It was qualitative research. And it, it just completely, I mean, when we talk about transformative learning experiences, that's, that's what it was for me. So, um, so that was amazing. And I completed my master's in a, in a fairly short period of time. And then just by chance, there, I had a girlfriend who, um, who couldn't take on a contract that she had been offered. And it was at a, at our university's teaching and learning center. And so that was, I think, a three to four month contract or so, which I said, sure. I mean, I'm looking for work. I, um, would, would like to take on this contract. And, just love the field. So it's the field of enhancing teaching and learning in post-secondary. And you can understand why I probably cared about that a lot mm. at, at that point. And it's one of these kind of chance events where friend can't take on contract. I get introduced to a field, which I now um, have been in for 19 years. Mm. Um, and well, the coaching came came a bit came more recently, but just into the PhD then. So a few years into my uh, my work as an educational developer, that the field that that I'm in, uh, I started to realize that if I was going to stay in higher ed, a PhD would serve me really well. Mm-hmm. It would allow me to be at certain tables that. A master's wouldn't um, allow me to. It would allow me to have more credibility, to have um, just be involved in the field in ways that I felt a master's uh, just wouldn't wouldn't allow. Uh, so that's where my you know that's where that interest and motivation to do the PhD uh, came. It was that very practical, very pragmatic, mm-hmm. and. Um, and so the and so that that was the start of the of the PhD, which you know is a whole story into itself. Also, mm. I just I'm still with what you said right at the beginning about this sense of being on your undergraduate degree, and you were looking for that kind of love of learning, and yeah. but spent the whole time being worried about wanting to do well, <laughs> and yeah. thinking about how that is a very common story for PhD researchers that actually this is an opportunity that you can really, you know, go into it because you love learning. Yes. But actually then find that you spend most of your time being really anxious about performance. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and I would say my PhD was really a combination. So I had been introduced in the master's to the love of learning being possible mm-hmm. in post-secondary um, and so I, I knew what I was, what I was seeking, and it was really a combination of um, the learning and the pursuit of learning, and being able to dig into, you know, a really specialized area and read. And I mean, I love ideas, uh, as well as anxiety, stress around 
succeeding, performing, completing, you know, all, all those things. And I mean, I was very fortunate to have a great committee, um, but I also had two young children, um, my, you know, my partner, part-time work. So it, it's never a simple thing, is it? No, it isn't. It isn't. Um, and I think especially, and this, this is kind of, this is me trying to bridge us into this conversation yes. because, because what I love also about your work on perfectionism is it, it's, it's embodied experience, right? Yes, <laughs> you know what this really feels is. like from the inside. Um, so tell us about that. Tell us about perfectionism and how you see that now. How I see it reflecting back or how it shows up in the coaching I do. Well, let's say because this is really meant to be helpful for graduate students, mm -hmm. for people who are pursuing PhDs, I'd like to take it there. And there's a few things that, that stand out for me mm -hmm. in terms of... Um, the work I do currently with academics, with uh, these ambitious perfectionists in, in higher education that overlap also with my own experience of having been a, a doctoral student. And um, so one of them is around this, you know, analysis paralysis or, mm. or otherwise, you know, that, that feeling of being stuck mm. and feeling like um, either there's too many decisions or you're afraid of making the wrong decision or you, quote unquote, don't know what to do. And I, I think because of the, the person I am mm -hmm. and um, I didn't get stuck in that meaning I didn't overthink the topic. I really listened to the guidance of my, my committee in, in that respect. Um, I knew that there were so many topics potentially that I could you know, explore and, and uh, dig into. Um, that's one you know, small example, but I see this all the time with the people that I work with. It's... Um, getting stuck in overthinking and in not making decisions and what I call spinning, right? Just revisiting decisions over and over. Mm. That's one piece. And I think that sense of stuckness, I'm sure lots of people can relate to that. And it's such a painful place to be actually wow. yeah. because what we want to do, I mean, you know, we know psychologically the most healthy place to be is to be in motion with options. That's what you want. That's how yes. we thrive. Um, and often people's experiences is opposite to that. Um, yeah. I, I was just going to say, no, yeah. I was going to say, because when I, I really like that combination of in motion with options, like that mm. is so well put. And what I think happens, like the options are always there. It's that we get we we get into this belief that either there's only you know two options or perhaps possibly even only one option when that is absolutely not true. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and so this sense of and I also want to pick up on what you said there 
because again, it's it's really a, a, it comes up so many times when I'm working with people in terms of this this indecision and mm-hmm. not not wanting to not wanting to yeah commit to something as well. So it's kind of it's, because it's really interesting, isn't it? That it's, it's both. It's kind of feeling stuck and feeling like you can't move. You, there's too many options. There's no options, but there's also too many options. Um, and, and there's a perception. I think what goes along with that, sorry to interrupt, what um, goes along with this is this uh, belief that you're going to make the wrong choice. Yeah. And I think this is often what keeps people in that, in that stuck mm. place. Mm. So how do you work with that then? How do you work with if you if you recognize well first of all you might want to say a bit more about what perfectionism looks like and sure. um, if people are trying to work out if this might be them um and then how do you work with that if you if you go yeah no this is this is what I'm, this is what's the challenge for me at the moment right yeah um yeah and it's it's so interesting to me the number of people who initially uh, will say, no, no, I don't think I'm a perfectionist. And then, and then actually realize that, oh, well, actually, maybe I am, <laughs> these, these characteristics. So some of the characteristics, um, first of all, is the one around having exceedingly high personal standards. So mm. of course we want to have high standards. I mean, this is uh, something that most people would say is commendable and something to, you know, to, to work towards. But the perfectionism takes it to a place which is almost impossible to, or possibly actually is impossible to to reach. So that exceedingly high standards. Mm. The other characteristics uh, characteristic is about being very self critical, and a third is difficulty tolerating uncertainty. Right, so. Uh, come along with that is the need to control because you're so uncomfortable around uncertainty, um, having excessive self-doubt, and then the piece around indecision, which we were talking about a few a few minutes ago. So high self-critical, uh, the high standards, the difficulty tolerating uncertainty, the self-doubt and indecision. Mm-hmm. And so... And that's a heady cocktail, right? Isn't it? <laughs> but I think, but I I think also the, the thing about it as well, though, is that there's lots of good qualities in that too. And, you know, it's great, exactly. like you say, it's great to have high standards for yourself. And it's get, great to be reflective um, because, yeah. and that, you know, that makes a good academic. Um, so then yes. how, how to work with that so that you yeah. kind of keep those, those good things going but you don't get yourself into that stuck place of the um, second guessing. Yeah. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. There are, there are really many good aspects of this. And that's why one of the narratives that I um, don't endorse, I guess, is this this notion around overcoming perfectionism, because I, I feel like that paints it as a, you're, you're defective, right? You're, so now you have one more thing 
to, to, to beat yourself up about, right? So not only am I all these other things, but oh my gosh, I'm a perfectionist and that's terrible and, and that. And so I really like the fact that you highlighted you you're highly responsible. You 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 know your intentions are really to to do well, like so many many different pieces. Um, but in terms of when it is not serving you, which is really you know part of perfectionism. Is um, so s- the strategies that I suggest. There's there's a few. One thing that really helped me is to connect with my purpose. This is something that when I'm working with perfectionists, or as I was doing my PhD, was to think and remind myself about what is it I'm here for. Why does this even matter to me? Why am I doing this, right? So to to get grounded in that and connect with your purpose, and your purpose doesn't have to be something you know lofty. You're not you don't have to be out to you know change the world or make a groundbreaking discovery. It might simply be something around um, either career aspirations or something very, you know, practical, such as, you know, this is something I wanted to do. It's a personal goal of mine. Um, it's, it's personal to you. So connecting with your purpose. Another piece, uh, is to, to clarify and live into your values. So again, a personal example for me, my values around family are very, very central to my choices. And so when I was doing my PhD, I had two young children. I um, was also married. And uh, it was important to me that I felt good about myself as a mother. And I also didn't want, personally, I didn't want um, my relationship to, you know, to end up in a divorce. And so there were choices that I made along the way about things I would say yes and no to in order to be able to feel good about myself as a mother and also um, just be able to maintain a, maintain a relationship. Um, so connecting with your purpose, living into your values. The other one is around being selective about what you choose to control. I mentioned earlier that uh, perfectionists tend to really feel uncomfortable around uncertainty. And so how that shows up often is a desire to control everything. And um, that's simply not possible. But, you know, something can... uh, magnify in the amount of time it takes if you're trying to control absolutely everything. So the effort, the time, the energy. And so being selective about what it is that you that you want, uh, that you're going to control or choose to control. Um, and then two more strategies that I usually, uh, that I work with is around loving your decisions, right? So let's say you, you know, you you have decided to go a certain route with your research and um, love that decision as opposed to constantly second guessing yourself, thinking maybe you should have picked another framework or you know, um, interviewed another subpopulation. No, no, whatever you find is going to be useful and work with that as opposed to, um, I'm not going to say wasting your time, but kind of wasting your time, you know, continuously revisiting. 
um, things. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the final strategy, but not final in terms of order, is uh, know your strengths. And you know, this is something. It's so. It's something so near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I am trained as a Clifton Strengths coach. Uh, Clifton Strengths was previously known as Strengths Finder. Love it. And, I love that so much. Oh, you know the number of people who don't know and and it doesn't matter whether it's a you know a formal assessment like this uh, like the clifton strengths or another one and um there are many different assessments to know your strengths because we get beaten down in higher ed and it's not a culture where we're really uh, encouraged to to know and use our strengths and you know it's all about being critical and um unfortunately that often translates to I don't know my strengths and do I even have any strengths and you're like completely losing touch with them. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, I don't, I, I, I'd love to say a bit more about that because this it's awesome in terms of exactly as you say, because academia sadly can be incredibly disempowering, incredibly infant, infantilizing as well, yeah. actually. And people start to go, am I, am I actually any good at anything? Exactly. I don't know if I am. And, and that, it's, you know, that's what, so wrong, so wrong. I um, agree. And, and um, so tell, tell us a bit about Strengths Finder, because um, not Strengths Finder now, it's called, um, oh, yeah, remind me what it's called now. I knew it as Strengths Finder. Yeah. Get you wrong. Sure. So Clifton Strengths is one of many tools. Um, I like it and I chose to to get certified there because of the research. And of course, as someone with an academic background, mm-hmm. you won't be surprised that I wanted a tool that I felt was really uh, had a lot of research behind it. And um, so I don't want to, you know, come across as an advertisement for them, but I do really like I do really like it. Um, and there's there's a few ways if anyone were interested in um, looking into it. It is paid. They do have a version where it's called the top five, which I think is a very affordable price point. But basically what it does is you answer 177 questions. It produces two different reports. And one report is fairly generic in terms of um, describing your, what they call themes. They call it themes because it doesn't always show up as a strength. Um, But these are your ways of being in the world. Like this is just no matter where you are, what kind of um, uh, situation, this is how you show up. The second report is completely individualized to you. They take all your responses to the 177 questions in the order you did it and produce an individualized report. And, you know, most reports, um, we tend to just file in a folder, you know, digital folder, and we never look at these again. But when I got this one, it, it gave me insights into myself, which I had just were, were new and were so helpful in explaining and helping me with my self-awareness. So explaining some of the things, some of the preferences I have, and also for my self-awareness. And I would say um, it, it was, it really influenced some of the decisions I have made uh, career-wise and some of the choices that I have made about um, things I want to pursue and things I don't want to pursue. And so it has had a huge impact on me. 
I would definitely encourage anyone with curiosity to do do this or something similar. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, we don't want to get too hung up with this as a a particular thing, but these kinds of processes can be so validating in terms of these these are like, I love the way you put it in terms of the way of of being in the world. Everybody has that and everybody has coping mechanisms and everybody has preferences and to kind of really remind yourself that that these these are there and they are your strengths these are the things that you can do um and your orientation and to just really ground yourself back in that and validate that for yourself um yes can be such a profound experience actually yes Um, and and ground yourself and then use it to help you when you are feeling stuck or you know you need to make a decision or you're feeling pulled towards something you know you're having a debate between your heart and your your head like there's so many applications for this love it love it um there's so much more that i know know. um and uh but i am aware of time um and so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you the unfair question in terms mm-hmm. of something that people can take away, because I, I am sure, you know, perfectionism, so many people in academia are perfectionists. Mm-hmm. It attracts that kind of person, so attention many. to detail, all of those kinds of things. It's all yeah. good stuff. Um, but if people are struggling at the moment, with with that and with all that we've spoken about earlier in terms of feeling stuck or highly self-critical and all of that um do you have any top tips or thoughts for them that they can work with yeah um i would highly suggest to be crystal clear on your priorities mm. and then to use these as your north star right your your guide because there's so many things that can pull us in many directions including our perfectionism other people's opinions what we think we should and shouldn't be doing during grad school and your priorities once you have identified them can be just so helpful as you go through what is often a, a you know a very difficult challenging i mean yes there's lots of great things to doing a phd um but it's, it's typically not smooth sailing so having those priorities and holding them there for yourself um and honoring them right on it's not you know it's one thing to say what they are but to honor them I would say that is my my suggestion for today. Oh, that's so gorgeous. Mm. And I think it is because it is, isn't it? So rather than externally referencing, which is what perfectionism yes. is a lot, isn't it? What, what, yeah. What's expected of me? What shall I deliver? To just take that and internally reference what's important to you. Yeah. Um, well, that is a beautiful place to, to close. Um, and just thank you so much Isabuth thank you for kind of highlighting this and and um you know and making it a thing that we we kind of recognize that this is what's going on and um we, we call it out and then we understand how we're going to work with it I think it's yes. really 
gorgeous. Thank Thank you. you. Oh, my pleasure. And thank you all for listening.